You're listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio, inspiring ideas, inspiring families. Hi there. Welcome to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio. I'm your host, Brooke Walker. Grateful you would jump into this space with us today. We're talking about a topic that has very recently become, I'll say, near and dear to my heart, a cliche phrase that I'll reach for, but that's totally appropriate when talking about the subject of family narrative. Now, you might not use those words together, at least on the daily basis, family narrative. Essentially, what this means, it's a fancy researcher way of talking about memories and family story. And I think those memories, those family memories always feel good to talk talk about and celebrate, but in the last three to five years, some really strong research has emerged about the true power, the connecting power of the family narrative. I was interviewing a family researcher about five years ago when this new research was just on the cusp, just emerging, and she made a bold statement that grabbed my head, grabbed my heart, grabbed my full attention when she said, If a child knows they are part of a bigger story or a family narrative, that just might be, here it comes, the greatest predictor of that child's emotional health and happiness. Wow, right? I mean, wow, let that sink in. The greatest predictor of a child's emotional health and ultimately their emotional happiness might just be if they know they are part of a family story, part of something bigger than themselves. It's a really fascinating topic to dive into and to study. We're barely going to scratch the surface today, but we're going to do it in a way that I hope will empower you to dig in to not just the research, but the resulting spirit that can come in your home from celebrating these connective memories and moments. I have just the couple to kick off this conversation. Nate and Vanessa Quinn started Chatbooks back in 2014. You're probably familiar with the name, the company name, and the brand. It started as a small family affair and since has grown into the way women are printing their family photo books these days. They'll tell us more about that story, and then we'll get into some other ways that they bring family narrative to life. Listen for the way that they say ultimately these family stories, these family memories, simple family pictures on a wall shape the spirit and overall vibe in their home, and I think you'll appreciate how relatable these examples and ideas are. Here are Nate and Vanessa Quigley, co-founders of Chatbooks, talking about how to celebrate and bring to life a stronger family narrative in the home. Nate and Vanessa Quigley, welcome to Family Rules, the podcast. I welcome any chance to get to hang out with the two of you. Your spark is contagious. I mean that. So thanks for chiming in. Oh, Oh, that's amazing. Brooke, we love you. Thank you. That goes right back at you. And this topic I know you love as well. It's near and dear to your heart for a number of reasons. The family narrative, the family story. We're going to get into that a little bit more, but I want to set up your story because I can speak for moms everywhere in saying thank you for making memory keeping and photo printing that much easier for us through chat books. There's a really touching, though, and even tender story as to how your business was born. Can you share that with us? Yes. Um Actually, I think we pin the origin story on our son, Declan, who just turned 13. We now officially only have teenagers and young adults in our family, which is crazy. But when he was five, 
One day we heard him just howling up in his bedroom, which is so unlike him. He's the jolliest, happiest kid on the planet. And I knew something Mm -hmm. terribly wrong was happening. So I ran upstairs and I found him in bed crying, clutching to his chest a photo album that his preschool teacher had made for him. Thank heavens, his preschool teacher had collected (laughs) photos of his year at preschool and had made a little album as a graduation present. And he had been looking at that and reminiscing. And he told me that, Mama, I never want to grow up. And it it was adorable, but it was also like this pang of mom guilt that like, oh my goodness, he has more to show for his little life than that one year at preschool. We've taken some grand adventures. We have a vibrant, exciting life at home with all six of his brothers and sisters. And all he had were these few photos from preschool. And I knew in that moment that I needed to do something about it. And so that's when we landed on this solution for family memories, automatic photo books. Um, but that's that's kind of the the spark of the idea came out of that little painful yet funny moment. And it sounds really sweet because you were consoling Declan and, and you know, hugging him and this story, you're wiping tears from his cheeks. But then you, the, the <laughs> next chapter of the story, it happens, you yeah, turn please. the page and you kind of grizzly mama stomped back downstairs and found me <laughs> at the kitchen table with my failing, uh, flailing, believe it or not, family memories startup that I had been working on for oh no. two and a half years. I like Grizzly Stomp. That picks the picture. Oh, it was picture. Mama Grizzly, Grizzly came down like her little cub. Had, you know, she had just wiped tears off of his cheeks. <laughs> oh. And I was like the unsuspecting hunter hiker on the trail. <laughs> and, you know, you really got my attention. I love the way you tell this story, <laughs> No, but I had been, believe it or not, at this time, floundering around um, trying to build family memories-related software mm-hmm. for about two and a half years. Unfortunately, it hadn't, you know, had any customers pay us any money, hadn't paid ourselves a salary in two and a half years. I mean, minor details, minor. Yeah. yeah. So in addition to, you know, hearing this from Declan, I think that's what gave you the spark. But then you had a little bit of rage as well, which is like, why doesn't my husband earn a salary anymore. No, no. What you were doing was noble. It was good. It was it was an online family tree where you could share stories and photos and videos and yes, audio yes. clips with your extended family. Undersell. No, it was of an course. it was an important job to be done, but it required yes. a lot of work. More work than I was willing to do, quite frankly, and from the looks of the people who were not using it. Everyone else. <laughs> hey, my mom, my mom Your used mom it religiously. She this was the greatest. Thank you, Grandma Bibi. <laughs> I think we just cracked a business code. Code for success, spark plus rage. Yes. <laughs> Equals business success. The, the other really key element was I was at the time finally humble for, you know, the first time in a while. Like, I actually don't know how to fix this startup. I do not know what to do. And so... Seeing the fire in your eyes, I was very much paying attention to, you know, what you thought the answer was going to be. The fact that he was even working on a business that was trying to help people safeguard, organize, enjoy family memories. I mean, that was a big deal because absolutely, um, that's something that's been really important to both of us. Growing up, we have stories from our family history and experiences with our grandparents that are like made us who we are today. And we mm-hmm. wanted those for our kids. We want to be able to pass those on to our kids. Um, there's, there's a story about my great, great grandmother, Polly, in Northern Florida. I'm a seventh generation Floridian. She's one of the, our earliest ancestors. She was feisty. She was a redhead. She had like 13 kids. The day this before, is your relative, this is my feisty? grandmother. Your relative. <laughs> Imagine I'm, that. A what? feisty redhead. What? It's so weird. But listen to this. The day before she was getting married, she was crossing the field carrying her wedding dress. She just had final alterations made on it when she was sprayed by a skunk. 
all over her wedding dress. And Grandma Uh-oh. Polly, you know, imagine brides today. Have your wedding dress ruined the day before your wedding? That could oh, be- meltdown. Total meltdown. Not Polly. Yeah. She was like, all right, I know what to do about this. She dug a hole. She buried her dress. Apparently, that's what you do if you get sprayed by a skunk. You bury it for three oh. days, and it pulls okay. all the stink out. And they just postponed things. She got married three days later. No big deal. Grandma that, Polly. <laughs> Grandma Polly is a boss and such a great example for me about best. resilience, about yes. what matters most. Um, stories like that that I grew up with and kind of informed who I am and the kind of person I want to be. And we wanted to pass those stories on to our kids. And Nate's grandpa, he was one of the only hey, I'm gonna tell story about my Mormons in the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, <laughs> right? Oh, wow. Yeah, no, he has a really cool story. He was raised by his maternal grandparents. Okay. Um, he was, you know, an or- orphaned young. And down in Moab, and his, grand- his maternal his step-grandfather actually was the first blacksmith in Moab. So it was a tiny little amazing. town. Yeah. He had this amazing story, of, uh, tons of great stories about the, this uh, famous step-grandpa, you know, like throwing his tools out the window and just, he was kind of a maniac. But uh-huh. my, my grandpa was a forest ranger and he loved to sing. And so he, I had all these memories as a, as a you know, young cousin kid at grandma and grandpa's house of grandpa Quigley singing Home on the Range to us. Um, and so, and I realized, wow, I, I sing this, you know, I remember my dad singing it. I sing it to our kids as well. And at my grandpa's funeral, where in his casket was beautifully carved with the Mormon tabernacle with the tabernacle and the Forest Service emblem and this mountain scene, and it was this amazing, touchy moment like funerals are. And someone had a recording of him singing "Home on the Range," and I hadn't heard that since I was a little kid. So someone hit play on that, played the you know "Home on the Range" from Grandpa's voice while he's laying there in the casket. It was this incredible yeah. moment. We all went out to the cemetery for the uh, internment and consecration of the grave. It was this, you know, incredible family moment. And I immediately turned around and said, okay, where's that tape? You know, I want to take that that. tape, make copies, give the copy to everybody, take it back to play for our kids. Guess what? Like somehow since someone had pressed stop and we'd gone to the um, cemetery, the tape had disappeared. And nobody oh, knew no. where it was. So I spent I spent like two years trying to find the tape, never successfully did oh. for two years. My brother, who was a super genius um, computer scientist at Stanford at the time, and I said, this just can't happen ever again. And that yeah. was the genesis of the company that has become Chatbooks was Morgan and I getting started building something that looks a whole lot like Family Search. Um, Today, but Family Search mm-hmm. at the time was sort of names and dates, and you mm-hmm. couldn't put a, you know a, an audio recording up on Family Search. So we sort of built one of those around a family tree where you could put really important stories like Grandma Polly's you know skunky wedding dress burial, <laughs> and Grandpa Quigley's incredible recording of Home on the Range is so important to every little Quigley grandkid, um, and you know and save it, safeguard it, and share it. That's that's where you know the thing that I was working on that was failing when Vanessa stomped downstairs in Grizzly Mama mode, you know that that was the origin of of that work. H- happy ending to the story. We did actually finally find the tape miraculously, like years later, digitized it, put it up on this thing we were calling just family, and I felt like okay, well at least that's safe. It's there. It's preserved. Um, yeah, but what I think we realized, what Vanessa realized in that moment with Declan was. Yeah, great. It's in the cloud. Great. It's backed up. That's, you know, we clearly need to do that. We need to have more than one analog copy of like priceless, unlosable things and stories. But you got to get them out of the cloud. And there's something really magical about an actual analog version in your hands that I had been missing completely and that Vanessa saw. 
Well, you think about the tangibility of, of Declan even clutching that book to his Literally, chest. I mean, yes. living, breathing memories. I, I, I got so entrapped in, in your stories. You were, your eyes were sparking as you both told these meaningful, rich stories of your ancestry. And, and to think of generations going forward being able to tangibly see and touch and experience memories, that takes it to a completely different level, doesn't it? Yep. Yep, totally. My mom um, was a great scrapbooker. She scrapbooked her young life growing up and my dad's and then their their courtship and their life together and our life, you know, growing up, I'm the oldest of 12 kids. There are all kinds of crazy stories and job charts and newspaper clippings. A lot of stuff. And I'm so grateful that she did that because I grew up knowing that these stories are important, that my family is important, that I'm important to my mom, that she took the time, you know, a mom of 12 kids who has time to scrapbook. I don't know how she even did it, but I came away with a real strong self-awareness uh, of who I am and where I fit in the world and what it's all about. Oh, there's meaning, there's validation, there's confidence-promoting experience as you look at those scrapbooks and know how those memories were treasured. We recently took this question of how do you store memories, how do you preserve your memories to our Family Rules audience. Five percent of people are like your mom, Vanessa. They're still in serious scrapbook mode, which That's good impressive, on you, right? actually. That, I'm impressed stickers, it's that cardstock, <laughs> I know, all of it. Fifty-seven percent, though, this was an overwhelming majority of those who took our survey. Fifty-seven percent said... I have a million photos and videos on my phone. I should probably do something with those someday. 15% journal, 23% admit they need to work on it. But that overwhelming nearly 60% of people, I fall into that category, right? My phone is loaded. I'm constantly buying more storage. So the idea, you know, through chapbooks, this this new iteration of the business or this emerging, this what emerged as as the business plan has made it possible for women, for mothers, for dads, for families to have these tangible memories. And that's such a gift. Yeah. I mean, I'm guilty of the overwhelming overload of photos on my phone, too. That's because, I, darling, every single mo- moment we want a photo of, you take 20 of the same photo. I yeah. want a good one. And somebody always has their eyes closed. You, usually. You're yeah. always closing your eyes. Yeah, I'm guilty. I take a million pictures when I just really need one. Um, I used to be better disciplined about weekly Every Sunday night, I would go through my camera roll and delete the junk that I don't need. Mm-hmm. Um that is a that takes discipline. That's a practice that we all should be implementing. But you're right. These moments, these everyday moments and the big things that we want to remember, they get lost in all of the pictures of our food and the screenshots of the recipes that we don't want to forget and and all of that junk. So well, and that's back to the the rage spark, you know, Mama Grizz rage rage spark was just I don't want to use all this stuff you're building. There's no I don't have time for it. No one does. Just print my Instagram. That was, the, that was the original moment in 2014 is just print my Instagram. Well, and in, back in 2014, people were using Instagram solely to keep in touch with friends and family. At least that's what it felt uh-huh. like. That's what I started using Instagram for. We moved around a lot and I'm terrible at phone calling and letter writing and all of that stuff. But I loved posting highlights of our family story so that friends and family all over the world could keep in touch with what we're doing. And so it was really easy to just click, click, click three buttons. And all of a sudden, all those photos and the captions, which are essentially my journal, would just automatically show up as photo books. And a lot of people still use Instagram that way. Instagram has changed over the years. It feels more like you're going to the mall than you are looking at your friends and family's highlights. Um, And we've seen at Chatbook's frequency of which of which people post Instagram has changed as well. People are using social media differently. But um, the idea of taking work that people are already doing, 
you're, you, when you post to social media, you're already curating from all of the million photos you took, putting the best ones, adding a little caption, which is that journal piece, and automatically giving people what they want. That was the that was the genius of the chapbook's idea. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, you know, for those of us who don't post to social media, we you have got to be willing to understand it's important to take that little step to do the work to right. get the thing that you want. And right. But we have to hide the work and that's that's kind of I think at the soul of chapbooks all the time. Like you do have to do that curation work. I like this photo better than those 19. But hard it. Hard if, it in your camera. If we roll. can somehow just make that not feel like I am now going to sit down and scrapbook and make a photo right. book and do some kind of complicated thing, but instead I'm just enjoying my photos, picking the best one writing a little thing in the moment, like I would if I were posting to Instagram, even if I'm not posting to Instagram, I'm just doing that inside the Chatbooks app. Well, that option, that glorious option, just to print and hold our memories in our hands so easily, I think is a good jumping off point for our conversation today on how to bring family stories and family narrative to life. Printing your photos is step one. Like, get them off the phone in any form. Look at them, talk about them, discuss them. Do you find those photos promote family connection and family conversation? Can I talk about our little HP research project? Yeah, but before you go into all the okay. sciencey stuff, okay. let me just say, yes, 100%. <laughs> I felt that growing up in my own family. And I've seen it in our family with our children, with the photos in the photo books that we have here. But yeah, we were curious, like, is this just us or is this happening everywhere? Okay. So then we we worked with our partner, HP. All of our photos are printed on HP printers. So we, we know that team well. We surveyed 15,000 customers and ask them, you know, what do you think? What what leads to, the, you know, your family bonds and, and, and family reminiscing? And they said 76% of them, so almost, you know, I guess three quarters, said that there was something specific about printed family photos that allowed you to kind of look at it, reappreciate it, and then kind of look at each other and have a conversation that led to the most powerful, uh, and the word that we kind of landed on in working with um uh, with a professor at the University of Utah, actually, was shared reminiscing. And that ah. for the same reasons that family dinner together brings families closer together, because you're sitting there looking at each other, talking and sharing stories, that printed photos um, does the same thing. It, it like lets us kind of rally around a little memory that got captured in a certain way and then look at each other and talk about it and feel like we're, you know, we're a family. Because it's really those conversations. It's though, like yeah. looking at a yeah. photo, you can look at a photo on your own. You can watch a slideshow on your Google Home or whatever. But there's something about sitting there together and talking about the photo and remembering and reminiscing. Mm-hmm. It creates positive outcomes across the board. Greater self-esteem, um, less stress at home. Parents feel like they're doing a better job as a parent. <laughs> and who doesn't want to feel like you're doing a better job? And all that research about, you know, we all have kind of taken as gospel now that having dinner together is a big deal and leads to, you know, great outcomes for families. Because that made your list as well, family dinner as a way to bring the narrative yeah. to life. Yeah, yeah but busy families know that doesn't happen mm-hmm. every day either. You do that when you can. But yeah, it's those conversations at dinner. Um, and another thing that we really believe in is capturing the full range of the family experience. You know, when I look back, about that. when I look back at some of uh, the photos from my, you know, childhood growing up, birthday parties, graduation, dance recitals. My favorites, though, are the random ones my mom took, like where we were sleeping in our bed, or while we were like scrubbing the floors, or just those everyday, day in the life 
photos. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's so important to capture those and also the good and the bad. You know, one of the things that we like to do when we have family dinner is we go around the table and we do highs and lows. Everyone gets to say their high point and their low point. And I think it's a really great practice, first of all, to normalize that life isn't all butterflies and roses. Like we all have hard things. It also gives us a chance to empathize with one another, like what we're going through, because, you know, so often we got our heads down, we're doing our own thing and we don't even realize what our, you know, siblings or spouses are going through, but being able to talk about the good and the bad. Um, But in our books, like if you flip through our chat books, you will find piles of laundry that someone just dumped on the floor in the hallway that I might have photographed to text everyone to say, who's guilty? Um, No, because one day I am expecting one day my house will be empty of children and there will not be piles of shoes or pile of laundry or dishes in the sink that will, you know, now might frustrate me, but that's a beautiful part of this wonderful family life that we have. And I want to hold on to that too. And it's funny, the photos don't have to be good photos. They they don't have to, they they can be blurry and dark and they could be the most important photo we have. In fact, my gift for Vanessa, surprise, surprise, my Christmas gift to Vanessa was a chat book, Brooke. (laughs) Oh, stop it, for real? I was so creative that I just said, (laughs) what would she possibly want? And I made the chapter one of our story. And we we met- Freshman year at uh, Helaman Halls at Brigham Young University. Yes. I noticed this um, fiery redhead Southern fiery. girl stomping across the quad and <laughs> begged her to pay attention to me. Um, anyway, so we only had, it was, that was back in, brace yourself, Vanessa. I know you are timeless, but I'm going to, I'm going to date you right now. Carbon here dating. It comes. This is 1990, the fall of 1990, Brooke. And so okay. instead of, you know, our kids and their relationships, they have 45,000 pictures of each other. We had like three rolls of film across, you know, 10 months. And on those three rolls of film, there was maybe 20% of the photos are like well lit and in focus. And the rest of it is just like, you know, doofus 18 year olds with bad cameras taking pictures Helaman of each other. Helaman Hall's lighting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And What's so funny is the the it, the blurry photos that I've looked at a million times, you know, as a little missionary pining away for my girl, you know, in Madagascar. I love those photos, even if they're terrible. Like that that's yeah. that's just that's kind of how I remember that little moment in time. So I really we we love this idea of everyday moments or what needs to be memorialized. I do too. My family, my extended family, took a vacation to Newport Beach, California last summer. Couldn't get a more stunning location, right, as far as American beaches go anyway. And we, we had a family photo session. At, at one point, we hired a photographer to come down and get these dreamy sunset photos. Yeah. I mean, the boardwalk, there were all sorts of awesome options yeah. on my camera roll. And my cute little five-year-old has just a small little photo gallery in her room. And we were recently updating her pictures. And I said, let's pull one from our Newport Beach trip, which one I let her go through my camera. You know, I hadn't quite printed them yet and and let her choose what one she wanted on her wall. And of all the gorgeous scenic beach shots of our family playing over the course of our 10-day vacation, she landed on one of all of the cousins at seven in the morning, bedhead, sippies, in the shared, you know, pull-out couch bed that they were that they were camping out in, in, the, in the beach house living room with Nana and Papa right in the middle, crazy hair, all of it. Yep. And that was the one she wanted on her wall. And I, I thought that says so much doesn't it? Those in-between moments really matter a lot. Yep. So much more than the posed kind of perfect moments that have been yeah. filtered and viscoed and, you know, presetted <laughs> through Lightroom. And right. it's just like, I think it's almost like the Proustian like taste or smell that like teleports you there. And maybe the, the blurrier or darker or weirder the photo or unposed is what makes you like relive it a little bit more. Yeah, you really get in the mood. 
Yeah. yeah. You you guys, we, we, t- we touched on dinner, and I know game night has a strong place in your home as well. If dinner's not happening, game night might be, Brooke, and I- that's a chance to promote <laughs> memories too. What? what? Right, yeah, right before Vanessa speaks up, I'm going to explain why, and then she can, tell, she can tell you all about why games are so fun, but it's primarily so fun because Vanessa always wins. Every game we play. And she is hyper competitive, ferocious Uh, grizzly mama. I grew up gaming in my family. We are diehard gamers. And I love gaming. Nate doesn't love gaming as much as I do. And maybe if I won, (laughs) just let me win every now and then. When okay, we had one baby. He was like what, two months old, and we moved to France for the summer. And when he came up from work, we would have dinner and then we would play Scrabble. And I beat him every single time, except for once. And he took that scorecard and he taped it on the wall of our apartment and it stayed there for the rest of our time there a as moment. a badge of I honor. Think that's gonna, that scorecard's going to make chat book life <laughs> yes. story number two next Christmas. You're going to see that in the book that he gives you. But we have, I experienced my family growing up and between Nate and I, we have a nightly ritual of doing the crossword. There's something about doing, you know, challenging things together that creates bonding moments, conversations, fun. I think a little healthy competition is good for families. Um, Something that I noticed recently during quarantine where we did a lot of puzzles is now that I have all teenagers, sometimes teenagers don't talk as much as you would Mm -hmm. like and you you want to get into that inner workings of their mind. Mm -hmm. But if you get around a puzzle, it all starts coming out. So um, those stories, you know, I, moms and dads often kind of shape the narrative of the family story um, based on the what's important to us and the photos that we're taking and how we retell that story. But it's so interesting to me to hear those stories come out from the kids' perspectives. And sometimes if I get a chance to look through my kids' camera roll, you see, oh, wow, that actually, <laughs> they experienced that very differently we, than we did. Um, and then to get them talking, you know, while doing a puzzle or playing a game or cooking something together in the kitchen. Um, yeah, I think it's just finding ways to get kids to open up. If, if you ask a teenager, so what are you thinking about today? You know, how was your day? Like, they're going to shut down. But if you can get them going, kind of trick them into talking, then you get to the good stuff. That is Loosen a good secret lips. mom hack. That's yeah. a good secret mom hack. Well, and it does put value, too, on their stories. I mean, we talk about ancestry stories. We talk about our experiences that can hopefully promote resilience and confidence in our youth. But their stories have a place in this family narrative, too, right? It's one big story being shared by a lot of different voices and a lot of different lenses. And I feel like if you're seeking to honor that as a parent, um, they're going to find value in their own experiences, too. Yep. And one of the great—got another plug for chatbooks. One of the great features of it is you can add— um, other contributors. And when now that all of our kids have smartphones, they can also contribute photos to our photo books. And every now and then we'll get the most random photo in there. And I'm like, wait, what is this? It's something Declan submitted. And it's amazing because it's like through Declan's lens, what that yeah. week was like. Yes. Yeah. So those are so important to capture as well. Well, as we review the research and you've shared some great ideas on how to bring this family story, family narrative to life on a daily basis, let's just end on the feeling, the vibe. As you see photos on the walls of your home, as you see these chat books, these photo books spread out on the coffee table and accessible in a way people can flip through them and remember and reminisce and talk, what's the vibe? How does the spirit change in your home when family storytelling is part of your Monday through Friday? Man, I love that question, Brooke. I think there's no doubt that the kids know that they are the most important thing to us, that this family unit and the experiences that we have, the good, the bad, the stressful, the beautiful, um, that's what's most important to us. 
I, we, our son, Calvin, and his, um, I, I want to say new bride, but they've been married a little while, Yeah, are in New Zealand. They got married and they took off to New Zealand for a three-year PhD program. And so, you know, we miss them like crazy. We, we just don't get to see them, but we have a big, beautiful print that we made at Chatbooks hanging on the wall right in the middle of the main floor of the house. And I do think walking by those two smiling faces and seeing, you know, them with their arms around each other is a big part of what makes me still feel like they're in our family and we haven't forgot them. And we've got a son, Aiden, who's serving a mission right now. There's a awesome, you know, cork board in the middle of the kitchen with a, a whole bunch of bunch prints of, of all of his photos that he sends us. Yeah, being able to see them in the in that way and having them still be part of our of our family experience has been I can't imagine not having those photos there. I know. And of our seven children, um, four of them have already graduated and moved out. Um, and I hope and I believe that they are t- have taken with them this idea that they have a firm foundation here, that they know who they are. They know what our family is all about. They they've you know know who they are based on the experiences they've had. Like, it's amazing how... Those little toddlers, you've got toddlers, Brooke, when yes, they grow yes. up to be 20-something, they are still that same person. <laughs> that core personality doesn't change. They mature, they learn lots of important things, but at the core, they are the same person and they are loved the same no matter what kind of craziness happens between 2 and 22. Um, right. But that foundation is so important, and I hope that they— have taken that with them as they've left the nest. I love you both. I've loved this conversation. I particularly love your passion toward the topic and the way that you've shared that gift with all of us to bring the storytelling, these family memories to life in a doable way through chat books. And thanks for sharing the research and the experience and your on-the-ground parenting how-to on how we can all be better at this in our homes. Thanks to the both of you. I appreciate it. Thank Thank you you so much, Brooke. (laughs) Thanks for having us. It was my honor. You've been listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio. Our guest today, Nate and Vanessa Quigley, founders of Chatbooks. What a rich discussion on how we can bring to life that family narrative. The research supports it, but I appreciate most what they said about that spirit, that vibe, the confidence we can pump into our kids as we see those faces and celebrate those memories on a daily basis. If this conversation was helpful to you, we would invite you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a note as well. A love note's nice, but we'll take any form of feedback as a rate or review how we can improve these conversations to better serve and improve your family. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Family Rules, the podcast is a production of BYU Broadcasting.